This afternoon we turn to the Word of God as the church summarizes and confesses the Word in Lord's Day 21, question and answer 54, that's on page 535 in your book of praise. And here the church summarizes and confesses the teaching of Holy Scripture in the following manner. What do you believe concerning the holy Catholic Christian Church? I believe that the Son of God, out of the whole human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers, defends, and preserves for himself by his Spirit and Word, in the unity of the true faith, a church chosen to everlasting life. And I believe that I am, and forever shall remain, a living member of it. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, if you've ever been on a construction site, you know that they can be noisy and messy. There are materials strewn all over the place, and there are holes, and there's mud and dust. And if, for instance, you're looking at a house that's being built, or a church building, or some kind of other building, for much of the process, you have to really use your imagination. The people that build for a living, they can see it in their eye, but for many of us, we just see the mess. And slowly but surely, the outlines become clearer as the project progresses. Now, what is true of, a, of any construction site is true of the greatest construction project in the universe, which is the Church of God. We're dealing this afternoon with that part of the creed which we sang at the beginning of the service, I believe a holy Catholic Christian church. Now the Bible, as we saw in Psalm 48, is, speaks about the church as Mount Zion, the city of God, the, the temple of God. And in the church, both in the Old and the New Testament, the glory and the majesty of the king are revealed. And there's a reason for that, because the church is the dwelling place of God. And you can tell how glorious a king is by his dwelling place, by his residence, by his palace. If you go to a country and you, you, somebody says, well, there's, that's where the king lives, and you see a little hovel which is falling down and has a leaky roof and it has two rooms and it's got a dirt floor, then you think to yourself, wow, this king is not very powerful or glorious. But our king is powerful and glorious, infinitely so, and his dwelling place here on earth reflects that. And that's why the psalmist sings with such joy about how amazing Jerusalem is. Did you see how he ended the psalm there? He says, walk around Zion. Look at it. Look how amazing it is. And he does that not to bring all the emphasis on the greatness of man and the people that built it, but he says that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God forever and ever. This is the dwelling place of God. God is in the midst of her, says the psalmist in another psalm. And so in the scriptures, also in the New Testament, 
the church is pictured as the royal residence of the King of Kings. If you think of 1 Peter chapter 2, where Peter says about the believers, about us, he says, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. And as we sang before the service, that spiritual house is built on the cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says it to the Corinthians. He says, you, the church, you are the temple of the living God. And God showed that at Pentecost when his spirit was poured out upon the church and ever since then has dwelt in the midst of the church in the way in which he dwelt in the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament. If you want to find God in the world in the Old Testament, you'd have to go to Jerusalem and get as close to the Holy of Holies as possible. But in the New Testament dispensation, if you want to find God in the world, you go to, the, to his temple. You go to the nearest Christian church, the nearest faithful church. And so we are the temple of God, and yet we are a work in progress. It's not finished. We're part of the greatest, most glorious construction project in the history of the universe, but it still is an article of faith. It is something that we believe. It's not something that we see. You think of Hebrews chapter 11, where the apostle says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is being sure about stuff that we can't see yet. Our faith has not yet been turned aside. And that applies to the church as well. It's an article of faith, the church. Now, as you look at the creed, and that's what this section of the catechism is doing, it's going through the creed. You look at the creed and you see the structure of the creed. I believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And you see how, how each section begins with those words, I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in God the Holy Spirit. But then you look at, at the, the part, at the, the article about the church, and it says, I believe a holy Catholic Christian church. It doesn't have the word in. That's important. We believe in God. We believe in Christ. But we don't believe in the church. Our faith is not in doctrine or practice or customs or institutions. When we believe in Christ, we delight to embrace and love and value what is his great cosmic building project, and so we believe the church. We believe this work of God in Christ, the church. Now look at some of the words that the scripture uses in the confession echoes. It is a holy church, and that means it is set apart. It is totally dedicated to the service and worship of God. To be holy means it cannot be used for any other purpose. It's all for him. Just like in the Old Testament, the golden utensils in the temple and the tabernacle before that were only for the worship of God. The high priest couldn't give those utensils to his grandkids to go play in the mud. That's not what they were for. They weren't playthings. He couldn't use them in his kitchen. They weren't for that. They were only to be used in the service of God. And so the church is holy, only for God. Everything about it, everyone in it, is only for God. And you see that it's all about him. I believe that the Son of God, out of the whole human race, 
from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers, defends, and preserves for himself. Church isn't for us in the first place. The church is for him. It's not our project. It's not about our wants and desires and preferences and needs. It is for him. Everything points to him. Everything worships him. Everything exalts him. That's what the church is. Not about us. And it is Catholic. Now, the word Catholic is a word that comes from the Greek, and it means extension in space. It means over all the world. But it also means extension in time, so from all of history. The church of all times and places. That's what Catholic means. And that Catholic church is gathered out of the whole human race from the beginning of the world to its end. It has always existed since the very first human beings. Now, this is important. Perhaps some of you have been Roman Catholic or some of you know Roman Catholics. The, the, the name Roman Catholic is a, an oxymoron. It, it, it's like internally contradictory. It's like saying, saying dry water. It just doesn't fit. Because Catholic means from every time and place, from the beginning of the world to the end, and from all over the, the globe. But the Roman church has not existed for all time. It has not existed. It didn't exist in the garden. It didn't exist there in the Old Testament. The Roman church isn't from all time. And it certainly isn't from all places either. And so Roman Catholic is a misnomer. Best to call the Roman church the Roman church called the Church of Rome. Now, sometimes you go to the hospital, at least it used to be like that, I don't know if it's like that anymore, and they would ask you what your religion is so they could put it in your chart. And I have visited in the past people who were in hospital, and, and I looked at their chart on the end of the bed, and it said, Religion, Canadian Reformed. That's the church you go to. That's the federation which you're a part of, but it's not your religion. We are Christians. That's the name of the religion. We are the Church of Christ, the Holy Catholic Christian Church. It doesn't say the Holy Catholic Canadian Reformed Church because that would be a, an oxymoron just as much as Roman Catholic. We are Christians. And we are gathered in the unity of the true faith, not in a common ethnicity, not in a common communal history or, or, or culture, but we are united in the true faith. That means that we are in Christ together with everyone who bows the knee and confesses with the tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what connects us. The Lord Jesus, by the power of his Spirit, connects us as brothers and sisters. Now, Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 he talks about people who used to be on the outside. In the Old Testament, the church was mainly restricted to the people of Israel. That's where the word and the sacraments were. And so even though, as we said this morning, there was inclusion, you could come in from outside, it was tougher because there weren't temples all over the ancient world. You had to connect to Jerusalem. But then Paul speaks about how the Lord Jesus has changed that radically. 
He speaks about those who were far off, in other words, those who were not Israelites. He speaks about the Lord Jesus breaking down the dividing wall of hostility, that wall between Israel and the rest of the nations. And he talks about people from every nation and tribe and language becoming part of God's cosmic building project in Christ. And so this is how Paul describes the church in Ephesians 2, verse 20. He says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So Paul addresses the New Testament church made up of Jews and Gentiles, people from every kind of language and, and nation as we saw at Pentecost. And he says, God is building you together into a temple of God. And so I would think that most of us here, perhaps all of us, are not Jewish or from the ancient people of Israel, but we get to be part of this as well in the New Testament dispensation. All the different languages and nations, and I think here in this congregation there are quite a number represented, Ethiopian and Korean, and Persian, and South African, Chinese, Brazilian, Quebecois, English, Australian, Canadian, and even Dutch people get to be part of that Catholic work of the Lord Jesus Christ in building his church. That's where we find the unity. And so it's all in him, and it's all through him, and it's all by him, and it's all for him, and it's all about him. It is the Holy Catholic Christian Church, and you could rewrite that, the Holy Catholic Church of Christ. And that Christian, that adjective Christian, means that it is his work. We're not doing it. We're not building it. He gathers, he defends, he preserves. You know, sometimes when there are difficulties in the church or when we're concerned about things going on, the enemy of our souls incites us to think that we need to save the church. We need to make sure that the church stays on the straight and narrow. And sometimes that pushes us to act in very unchristian ways. But it's not about us. It's not about you, it's not about me, it's not about our tastes and plans and hang-ups and preferences and worries. It is not we who gather, defend, or preserve the church, but this is the sovereign work of the Lord of the universe. And he has planned it. He has established his plan since all eternity, and what he has ordained will come to pass. He doesn't need us to help or to suggest improvements or changes. He sovereignly chose the church to everlasting life. He sovereignly bought the church with his blood. He sovereignly poured out his Holy Spirit upon the church, and he sovereignly sends his word into all the world to gather his church, his elect, from all the nations. So where, then, do you find the church? You find the church where Christ is present with his word and spirit, where the word is faithfully preached in the power of the spirit, where the word is faithfully pictured in the sacraments and the power of the spirit, where the word defines what is sung and prayed in the power of the spirit. 
where the church is in this world, there is the temple of God. That's where God can be found. That's where Christ can be found. Now, do we see that? When we look at the church in this world, what do we see? Do we see a holy church, or do we see a church beset with sin? Do we see a Catholic church, or a church by schisms rent asunder? Do we see a Christian church, or a church by heresies distressed, building on the human ideas of of human glory, rather than on Christ and his glory? Well, we have to be honest. We don't see the holy Catholic Christian church in all of her perfect eternal glory as the pure and holy spotless bride of Christ, the heavenly Jerusalem, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We don't see her the way she is supposed to be. And that's why we believe the church. That's why this is an article of faith, because you believe what you do not yet see. And the church is a work in progress. The church is not yet perfect. And if you want to know the proof for that, that the church is not yet perfect, then all that you need to do and I need to do is look in the mirror. And there's our answer. I believe that I am and forever shall remain a living member of it. That's why the church isn't perfect yet. Because I'm not perfect yet. And I'm a member. You see, the world is preparation for eternity. This life is preparation for eternity. We are on a massive construction site. And we are being shaped and formed and prepared for heavenly glory. And so God is working on the church as he works on each one of us individually. And he is sculpting us and sanding us and chiseling and polishing us so that we fit into that glorious cosmic cathedral in which God will dwell forever. Now, how does that process work and what does it look like? Well, If you have your Bible handy, turn to 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 7. 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 7. And see a a very important detail about the construction of the Old Testament temple. 1 Kings 6, verse 7, that's page 285 in your pew Bible. When the house was built, this is the temple, it was with stone prepared at the quarry, so that neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron was heard in the house while it was being built. And so at the building site in in Jerusalem where the temple was being built, it was quiet. The stones arrived ready, perfectly measured, perfectly prepared perfectly finished, and they were gently slotted into place. And all the noise and the dust and the mud and the yelling and the hammering and the chiseling and the confusion and the mess was in the quarry. 
And that's the way God is doing it with the New Testament church as well. Up there in glory in heaven where the Lord Jesus is and where the saints are in glory with him, the church is being gathered in glory one at a time in, in just perfect peace and, and the tranquility of the heavens. But we are down in the quarry. And we are on the site where the building materials are being formed and prepared and shaped and tested and fit together. And it is noisy, isn't it, sometimes? And messy and dirty. And the master mason wants to fit us together into a soaring arch or a towering majestic column, but there are bumps and defects that get in the way. We're not perfectly shaped for glory, and those bumps and defects need to be removed. So what does God do? He takes the hammer of providence. He takes the chisel of affliction, and he hammers away at us. And because we're living stones, it hurts doesn't it? But he's doing it to get us ready. Because when we're ready, and when we're perfectly formed and prepared for glory, when we are lifted up and we're given our place in the heavenly temple city, then all is well. Now some of us are ready earlier than others. Some of our little brothers and sisters whom the Lord took to heaven from their mother's womb, the Lord looked at that little baby and said, he, she, is perfectly formed and ready for glory. Perfectly prepared even now in the mother's womb to fit into their eternal place in the temple of God. And so the Lord took them. There was no sound of hammering and no painful experiences for those who are there with Christ. They don't need to be sculpted and molded and shaped anymore because there all is perfect and ordered and peaceful. Now, child of God, the master builder has chosen you and he has chosen you to fit to fit in, to take your place as a living stone, cemented together with the other living stones with the cement of faith and hope and love. That's why he's hammering away at your life. If you were a stone that the, builders would, that the great builder would reject, if, he were, if you were a stone that he would look at and say, well, that's, that stone is not fitting for my temple, and he would leave it out in the field, he wouldn't hammer at it, he wouldn't shape it, he wouldn't chisel it. Then that's where it would lie. And so, brother and sister, if you're suffering in your life, and God has sent one affliction after another, know that he is doing this for his eternal purposes for you in Christ. He's getting you ready for glory. And he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will finish what he has started. He will not stop working on you and working with you till you are perfectly prepared for glory. Now, we don't see the finished product yet, 
But we start already here in this world to see the outline, that it's starting to take shape, it's coming together, and even here in this world, the unfinished product, we can kind of see the outline of Zion's citadels, and we can walk around and count her towers and crenelles, and we can see her walls and her strong foundations. And we can rejoice in the church, because we rejoice in Christ. And we can give glory to God for the church because the the church exists to reflect and to be inhabited by the very glorious presence of God himself. And so we teach our children to love the church and to have zeal for the church. And we pass that on to the coming generations because we are part of God's glorious building project. That's what we get to be part of. And it just gets better and better and better all the time until finally it is perfect. Because he will finish what he has started, not just for you, but for the church Catholic. And the day is coming when the very last living stone is sculpted and shaped and ready and slotted into place. And the building project is complete. And then the new Jerusalem will come down from heaven, and heaven and earth will be united, and all the broken bits, and all the chiseled-off bits, and all the ugly construction mess, and all the noise and the confusion will be cleared away. The mother of all building projects will be finished, soaring, majestic, glorious, Mount Zion, the temple city, the habitation of God. And then what we now believe, we shall see. Now I believe a holy Catholic Christian church, but then I will see her coming down out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Amen.